river kingdoms are a constantly shifting group of city-states, kingdoms and fiefdoms, rising and falling through the machinations of would-be conquerors, wars, assassinations, games of politics, and dangerous monsters. South of Brevoy sits the Stolen Lands. Stolen from what and when are a matter of some debate. Currently overrun by bandits and monsters, Brevoy seeks to aid in the establishment of new kingdoms, buffer states, run by anyone strong enough and clever enough to carve a kingdom out of the savage wilderness. Caelan Thorne, the mercenary who would be king, believes he is that man. Herein lies his tale of wilderness exploration, monsters, politics, romantic entanglements, ancient gods, and war. Heavy indeed is the head that wears the crown. Sugarfueled Gamers, in association with RPGMP3.com, present Kingmaker, a Paizo Adventure Path. A word to our listeners. This game is often interrupted. Whenever this happens, you'll hear our editor's tone to let you know when a segment of recording has been removed until we resume gaming. Episode 103. Kingdom Turn for Rast finished, I believe, was the... Yes, we finished the Kingdom Turn of Rast with, um, Pytax's latest invasion. <coughs> mm-hmm. We killed their troll army, They destroyed the, their wyverns destroyed a bunch of, um, valuable, um, Stagthorn real estate. Yep. Um, then we started the, um, Kingdom Turn of Gosrin. Yep. Um, and we did the councillor part because that was going to involve some reassessment and um, we didn't get all the way through the kingdom turn because that was going to involve a lot more reassessment. That's right, yeah. At which point it's um, built things. Yep. So, I have rebuilt the broken road in Fort Drelev that was destroyed by Wyverns. Yep. And the northern fo- farm that was there. Yep. But not the two southern farms that were poking out on the end below directly towards Fort Drelev. Yep. I've um, claimed um, B9 in the Hooktun Slough, which is the next grassland hex south towards um, Pytax, and put a road in it. Yep. Um, I've claimed a very northern hex in the Green Belt and put a farm in it. And I've claimed C8, which is the um, hex next to the Keep of Flowers. Yep. And put a hunting preserve in it. Yep. Um, so I am... I, I haven't historically expanded in that direction except for Merkvale, and I'm now expanding my territory south. Um, I have um, built a city wall in Merkvale. Mm-hmm. Um, so Merkvale's defence value has gone up. And I have built a bank in Fort Drelev. Ah. So I need you to tell me what a bank does. Bank, it takes your money. Uh, and how many hexes it takes up? One. Okay, that's easy. So, perhaps unsurprisingly, it stimulates the hell out of your economy. Uh, economy plus four. Ooh, how nice. And base value plus two thousand. That is very nice indeed. Okay. Um, 
Lastly, um, I have spent, unsurprisingly, a bunch of money on the armies. Mm-hmm. Um, I have um, <coughs> bought the um, Avenging Bowman, yep. um, ranged weapons and uh, chemical supplies, yep. which cost me 50 BP, mm-hmm. because they're gargantuan and buying them stuff is hideously expensive. Yep. Um, and I have founded one more army, who I am naming Aurori's Runners. Who are a fast monk army. Aurori's? Aurori's, yes. Yeah. Is that how you say it? Aurori? Aurori. Absolutely yep. called it self-mastery. Yes. yes. Which seems appropriate for a monk yes. army. Yes. Um, I have housed them in the Vanhold Monastery. Yep. Which can hold an army of monks of any size. Yep. And I have um, bought them ranged weapons. Given that the um, options for monks are a bit more limited. Yep. And um, their first tactic, having been trained at my glorious military academy, is um, sniper support. Because if we picture them all with tiny shurikens and things, as opposed to bows... Blowguns. Blowguns, sounds good. Uh, yeah, well, they lack in range, they make up for in, you know, in, range. in annoying damage. Well, let's pretend that when you expand it out to the army, the monk suck at range combat thing is just taken away, and the mm. same bit, but the wizards are only a bit more effective and not a lot more effective. Mm-hmm. But the point is, it's an army of monks, and they're incredibly freaking fast. Yes, yes they are. Because they move six squares. Yes, so now they can go Harry... Well, the thing is that forces all over the show. Yeah. Well, the thing is that Van Hold isn't expecting serious trouble in their territory, so they need fast armies that can go elsewhere. And I need armies with more mobility, and thus I now have a monk army. Um, all this farm building has decreased my consumption, but I also claimed three hexes and built an army, which put my consumption back up. So it was sixteen, and now it's sixteen again. Mm-hmm. Um. So I need to um just change the kingdom stats to reflect the existence of bank and yep. then I'm good to do the last part and that will only take me a moment so. we pick up 49 build points so the kingdom treasury starting the turn at a robust 242 is spent down to 107 mm-hmm. then we pick up 48 plus 20 and um, we're, we're looking pretty pretty sound in the money but this is like, instead of one giant military extravaganza of total unsustainability, this is more controlled, upward progression military extravaganza. Mm-hmm. And that's the economy check, so that's all the uh, things that aren't kingdom events and war. Cool. And, um, Potentially um, adventuring, but it sort of depends if Pytax evades again this month. One seventy-five, nice robust economy, and um, because I built a city wall, my unrest decreases by two, which takes out the remaining upset from um, uh, what's her name, Um, assassin chick, Quintessa, Quintessa teleporting away, and um, in the middle of my being my treasurer and. um, the unrest for switching my councillors around to replace mm-hmm. Quintessa. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, for um, going out and doing things, remember the point of what you are doing is you are scouting Pytax's lands and armies and things. Yeah. So it's actually directly related to the war you are having. Yeah, yeah, I know. I just, um, it feels weird having a war while Kaelin's out of the kingdom entirely. 
I mean, if Playtex are going to invade month after month after month without rest, I'll presumably have to go exploring, but um, I'm kind of assuming at some point they're going to run out of um, build points and need to um, wind things down. So, Kingdom Events? Yep. Of which you have multiples again. Yep. It's that sort of year. Yep. Uh, do you want to pass me your Kingdom Sheet again? Sure. I'm quite up to date with who the different people are. Well, I did yep. just change all my counts. I did just change like two counselors around. So does Christopher Rossi. Cool. <coughs> so, Christopher Rossi wants to speak with you. Um, and he will come to, to you and he says, Your Majesty, we have some unique opportunities and challenges that are arising from the new terrain that has arisen in Vardholz. Ah, uh, yeah. Got a big jungle down there now. Yep. And and it's kind of a bit unusual for this sort of climate, isn't it? Quite. It was generated by Titania's magic, but not sustained in our environment. Several of the Flowers and plants have almost immediately begun to die. It is adapting and changing to stag forms, more common ecology. Uh, since it also came with a variety of creatures, and as he says, sort of just raising his eyebrows slightly, because magic. Yeah. Um, they have begun to take flight from the forest. We have new insects, new animals. And a host of new a host of new things unsuited to Vardhold's farms and crops. Ah, so we've got some um they're trying to move into the into the farmlands and we've got some trouble coming out of there? Yeah, basically as the jungle is dying. Yeah. Um, or bits of it are dying. Yeah, because it's still I pres- I'm assuming it's gonna stay classed as jungle hexes. Yeah, so basically what it is, um, in terms of what's actually happening here is it's a conjured magical effect that has just gone woof into being. Yeah. And this is how conjuration works. The thing appears via magic, and then it is no longer magical. Yeah. You could go and cut that jungle down if you were so if you had the time and energy, but you could no longer dispel it. It's not a magical effect that is ongoing. Yeah. Um, uh, but what was my point? Um, but the way a rainforest works which is very much the sort of jungle you're looking at, is the plants grow off each other. Yeah. So some of them will die, but for the largest part, the system will be self-sustaining. They'll just sort of gradually... The ones that thrive better in our new environment will gradually outbreed the ones that don't, and it will, over time, shift to a sort of jungle that um, Varnhold's climate can support. Correct. But not all of the animals will find that congenial. Correct. And it has come with a bunch of preloaded animals and a whole bunch of insects. Yes. And a whole bunch of tropical diseases. Yeah, I was thinking about the tropical diseases when you said new insects. So, Rossi starts talking about the things that have happened and to establish how good or bad those things are. I'm going to ask you first for a stability check. Yep. That was poor. Which, alas, I fail. Okay. So, um, your farmers and that were were quite set up to cope with 
external things they could see coming. You had some animal migrations up coming up from Pytax based on their story, but it was all things of an ecology you're familiar with. I completely accept that my farmers weren't prepared to suddenly have a southern jungle have a jungle appear on their for- on their traditional mountains. Uh, so they are deeply unhappy with this, uh, and you gain two points of unrest. That does seem reasonable. I mean. Um, it, it's not the sort of thing they would usually be expected to run across. Uh, the second part is, uh, do you have a hospital in your buildings? Ooh. That's a shame. I do not. Okay. Then you need to give me a loyalty check because there are also a bunch of tropical diseases coming out from this jungle. Okay. People are getting bitten by mosquitoes and getting malaria, etc. I make the loyalty check. Well, so this is uh, quite definitely no nowhere near the level of a plague and a crisis. You need to spend four build points on this, or you don't have to, but you probably should. Uh, hell yes, I will spend four build points to basically start putting in some emergency procedures to deal with this sort of thing. Um, and then he has also brought with him Archibald Amadeus, Kingdom's architect, um, who sweeps into the throne room and Caelan, darling! Oh, this jungle, I've been out there, I've seen it, it's so lush, so beautiful, so vibrant, I have so many ideas. Um, I, I glance at Rossi and um, mouth bodyguards. Right? <laughs> Presumably he hasn't managed to catch malaria. Um, Amadeus says to you, says to you the, the wood from the jungle is, is, is magnificent, far better, darling, than, than what we have coming out of our trees. It, I don't know why the insects, it, it must be used to fighting off the insects all year round instead of getting to just die off in winter and then grow back again, that sort of thing. But the wood, it's strong, it's reliable, um, and he starts talking through this with you. Blah, blah, blah. So... Basically, tropical trees are... I say tropical, that's by default. It's not necessarily purely a tropical environment. Um, Those trees sort of have their own sort of anti-damp, anti-insect, anti-rot, that kind of thing built into them by the natural sort of environment they have thrived in. And because this is not... (coughs) It's not jungle that's transplanted from... Galarian's Caribbean. It's weird first world shit. Yeah, because I imagine she got it, sort of magically speaking, from the equivalent terrain in the first world. Sort of made a copy of that or something like that. Um, So (coughs) it is really good (coughs) shipbuilding wood because it lasts, it will last a good three times as long, etc, etc, etc. So if you establish anything like sawmills, that kind of thing in there, anything that is going to harvest that lumber, it is going to be substantially more effective. If you choose to clear-cut the forest, it's, it's expensive to do. Yeah. But um, it will... Um, harvesting it for lumber will pay off more in the long term. Clear-cutting it will pay off more in the short term. You'll just yeah. get a big wadge of build points now, and then obviously the resource is destroyed. Yeah. Um, but then, separately to that, um, Rossi listens to this. Uh, there is also the matter of our Fey citizens to consider. Many of them would be quite affronted to see us clear-cutting a jungle. Ah, it's it's um, 
not what I'm accustomed to. You think a sawmill would distress... If we um, log sustainably, a sawmill might be less distressing to them? It is not that any of them live in that environment per se, but uh, many have approached me about moving into it. Ah, it's... um, some of them might um, it might be closer to home than what they're what, what they're accustomed to here. Uh, indeed, I think even a sawmill even a sawmill may upset the possibility of them enjoying such a entirely unique piece of the first world here. So you already have deals in place that there are several places in your kingdom that you explicitly don't log, among other things, things like where the dryad lives. Yeah, I... I um, very obvious reasons. As a general rule, I tend to establish hunting preserves rather than um, sawmills on any location where I have no one fay. Yeah. Like where Pulavish... I, I imagine Pulavish kind of bops around, yeah. but his normal hideout and tick tatatas and the dryad and things... Yeah. I, I am refraining from logging. So you do not have Fae that were living in that area, per se, and you don't have things have not, Fae things have not come from the first world with this, but the, several of your Fae citizens are going, ooh, that's like that's all kinds of shiny. We don't have anything like that elsewhere in Stagthorn. So they more want to go and live there. Yeah. Rather than have you start lumber harvesting it. I can completely understand that. We do have six hexes of it, however. Yes. It seems like it would be possible to do both of those things. Yeah. Like, as long as we don't build sawmills in every single hex. So this is what Rossi is bringing to you, fundamentally. Um, In terms of stuff you can do with it, so you can clear-cut it for a big lot of short-term build points, and then get the land back again. Yeah. But that will be initially very expensive to do. Um, You can build sawmills in it and harvest it more long-term. You can give it to the Fae, you can build, like, tourist ecologies in there, which Amadeus is talking about, and tree villages and this sort of thing. <coughs> that sounds um, awesome. Or you can find any combination of that that Kaelin deems appropriate. Cool. Um, there, doubtlessly, some people will be unhappy no matter what you do. No, of course. Um, so, um, I'm assuming, generally speaking, that putting a hunting preserve in um, a hex doesn't disturb the, say, first world natives of that hex in the way that a sawmill would. Because uh, that was the theory, was the centaurs gave me that as something I could do that would be less disruptive to the local ecology. Yes, but um, I don't know that you could build one in a jungle. Quite possibly not. Uh, although it, I can in a forest, I don't know if I could yes. build one in a jungle. Because I don't actually have what I can... I, I, I have some notes on the terrain types. Actually, come to that, I do have... Yeah, because Hunting Preserve is a special one. I don't have that written down. Yeah. So the, the point of distinction, to give you an idea of what you're actually looking at there, is your forest is very much something like your classic Robin Hood-esque Sherwood forest. Yeah. There's lots of room for game to manoeuvre around it. There's lots of room for hunters to live, work, and roll through. The jungle is a thick, heavy undergrowth. You are not going to get people being able to efficiently hunt through it. Any any given person could go into the jungle and find things to eat. But um, you can't put a hunting preserve in it, per se. Okay, good to know. Just noting that down in the hopes of not asking you to tell me that again. And of course, I, it makes a lot of sense because it's much more dense underbrush and much more dangerous and things like that. Yeah, you can't build a farm in it for very obvious reasons. You can't build a fishery because it's not water. Yeah. 
Um, you could build things like roads and that kind of thing. That would obviously be harder to build, but yeah, you can absolutely do so. Um, you can build sawmills in there. Yeah. You can build fancy fay, you know, tourist attractions and things. I, I'm interested in the fancy fay tourist attractions. Uh, basically, Amadeus just sort of spouts at length. Just, you know, we could make it. We could make it a grand preserve, darling. Bring out all the. Give everyone a chance to see a slice of the first world cut clean into Stagthorn. He's, he's quite literally talking about making it either a preserved land for the fay where you just don't touch it, period, or as a tourist attraction. Yeah. So what I'm looking for is if I want to do the tourist attraction thing, yeah. um, what kind of um, what kind of building, what kind of terrain building is that? Right, so it is a completely unique building. Ooh! Uh, I have called, I have dubbed it an ecology. Awesome. Um... Where what it essentially is is you're isolating that land and then using it only for the purposes of. Um, it, it's not that you're using it only for the purposes of existing because you're not leaving it alone. You're explicitly yeah. turning it into your own sort of playground. Of yeah. That. Um, I'm not sure I can put it better than that. No, that's okay. I think I got it. Awesome. Uh, and an ecology will cost you six build points. Cool. And it is functionally a terrain improvement. Yes, so I put it under. I put it under terrain improvements with a piece sl- of terrain with a slot for um, what it actually yep. does that yep. will be available when I build one. Um, what are my terrain restrictions on that? Is that purely first world jungle? Uh, yes. It, it is limited to unique environments, okay. which at this stage is only that first world jungle. Like, in theory, you could still find in Pytax the amazing underwater city, but not necessarily. Yeah. Whereas the problem is you can't build an ecology out of your random piece of forest, because <laughs> it's really not all that much more interesting than the random piece of forest that, that the you can't has. You can't have it. To, you, I, I keep forest Texas purely preserved for um, general citizenry well-being style of thing, but they're not tourist attractions. They're just for people to live in. Yep. Yep. People being, you know, people in the broadest sense. Cool. All right, so... Um, not on that piece of paper, because that's a reserved piece of paper, but I'm going to make it... In fact, what I should do is note it down here. All right. Awesome. And so the um, difficulties, the dilemmas that are presented to you are basically the, the people who are interested in stimulating your economy want to harvest it. Yeah. The Fae want, want it left alone in peace. Um, and many of your farmers want it burnt to the ground. So that they stop getting all the horrible side effects associated with having it near them. You've got people actively complaining that, you know, they were better off when it was just vorticated and blighted land because, sure, everyone that slept there had horrible nightmares, but that didn't come into our land and, and bite our cows yeah, and yeah. give them these tropical sicknesses. The evil thing was relatively contained. Yes. Mm-hmm. At least until it erupted in a nightmare portal from the first world, which would be yeah. way less contained, yeah. but. So Rossi is not um, 
bringing you answers here per se. He is talk. He is bringing you the will of the citizenry. Cool. In its multiple different forms for you to do as you please with. Duly noted. Awesome options. I'm excited. I have a new terrain type. Even if it's only a specialist new terrain type, it's still cool. And maybe I'll find one or two other things along the way that can be ecologies. Yep. And so that is that. Cool. Awesome. And then we're on to your second kingdom event. Yep. Um, you will... Um, sorry, just to check in about yes. the diseases... I've spent some build points treated in my citizenry. Yep. Is is this like an ongoing thing that's going to keep on happening if I don't build a hospital, or is it more of a once-off? Uh, the same thing is not going to happen again. You are not having a consistent ongoing problem of there are jaguars coming and eating our cows. Yeah. It's weird shit keeps happening. Yeah. And... Ergo, weird shit may keep happening, but it may be completely different weird shit that is right. loosely related to having a jungle there. Right, so other random events may be generated, but it won't be the same, just the same thing over yeah. again. You, you have resolved the situations you have been handed thus far. Yeah. With the exception of the unrest, because the farmers may become unhappy if other bad things happen, or yeah. other people may become but I, unhappy. But I, I could solve this problem by chopping down all the jungle and restoring those hexes to their original form. Correct. At which point I'd reap some short-term gain and then no more benefit from this cool stuff forever. Correct. But it would protect me against more random stuff, which could be bad, but yes. then on the other hand could be good, because of course... As we've discovered in the real world, if you chop down the rainforest, you never find out about the medicinal herbs in it because they're all dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah fortunately, you're on medieval era tech here, so you don't have to worry about burning down all the forests. <coughs> that, that'll only bite your descendants in the arse a couple of hundred years down the track. Yes, but um, given that we're in a medieval fantasy world, we can be brighter than the real medieval peasantry. It's true. Mm-hmm. Particularly considering... Um, Kaelin's total lack of a green in party in his kingdom is pretty much made up for by the presence of all the Fae who prefer we didn't chop down every last tree. And then so then the, then the second one, if that answers all your questions. Yes. Um, is you will receive a formal a group of formal envoys which is very, it is very much a diplomatic party who come into the city looking very fancy, bearing lots and lots of flowery words and, you know, gifts of wine and flowers to the king and all this sort of thing. Um, uh-huh, yep. To present you with... Uh, they're not actually asking you for anything. They're here to present you with their notification. Um, and you have actually done this sort of thing yourself... You have sent out envoys to say, right, Stagthorn has built a city here, and Stagthorn has now established the kingdom, and I am King Caelan Thorn of Stagthorn. Yeah. And people have taken that with varying degrees of seriousness or ignored yeah. it. And you are probably aware of, you know, this sort of thing has happened several kingdoms that way, which is only of the vaguest passing interest to you. Yeah. Thing. Uh, this one, however... Um, you are receiving notifications of two joyous announcements, uh, one of which is that Rast Selene is engaged. Ah, sweet. Um, she is engaged to a man named Christoph Markava, uh, who is one of the higher-ups of the uh, Independent Alliance of Lords of Brevoy. 
They were the third group, right? The third group. It yes. was the Sutovas, one other... Collat, House Collat, the House Sutova, and the Independent Alliance of Lords. And the Independent Alliance of Lords, yep. Um, she is engaged to him. They have decided to adopt a daughter, because he is, like, 70. Yep. Um, the daughter that they are adopting is a girl named Maria Kalath of House Kalath. Oh, nice. Um, and the second part of this announcement is the formation of a new kingdom. Yeah. Known as Mavoy. Okay, I'm not opposed to the concept, but I wish they'd called it something else. Brevoy have found themselves a ruler that they can all agree on. Yeah, right. Because it's none of them. Yeah. It's a complete third party. Yeah. Um, and the, the political... Um, Implications of this are debated by your council and are reasonably obvious. She's married one. She's married into one house. Yeah. Adopted into the second one. Yeah. The Sertovas are kind of left out in the cold, but they absolutely can't fight the other two factions and Mivon. Yeah. So they've more or less just folded quietly into it and yeah. taken the best deal that they can obtain. Yeah, I mean, if I was doing it her way, I'd give the Satovas some kind of advancement in the form of... Because they're already, like, one of the very preeminent noble houses. Yeah. Give them a bit more clout at the being a noble house game in exchange for not being part of the royal family. Which is very much what's happening. Yeah. They they could fight and lose a reasonably costly war. Yeah. But... But they would definitely Because the... The three factions in Brevois were all sort of a vaguely co-equal power. Yeah. None of them were prepared to ally with each other against the third one, but they are prepared to ally with Mifon. Yeah. And so thus, um, a formal engagement has been announced, a formal declaration of adoption and airship has been announced, and you have a new kingdom next door to you, and above you, and beside you. Is it too late to convince them it should be called Brevon rather than Mivoy? You had your shot. Yeah, that's fair. She she wanted to marry into your kingdom first. Yeah. So yeah, I don't... Honestly, I think this is better because uh, someone needed to sort out that... Um, Civil War fest up there. I don't see the need to make an elaborate scene of this because it's mostly NPCs that you've never met before. But it's um, effectively the Civil War is over. Yep. And a new kingdom has just formed around your borders. Yep. Um, my question would be if this alters any of my existing deals. Like Bravoy were paying me a bunch of build points to not invade them. Which yep. They might not feel the need to do so now yep. they're a bit bigger and stronger. Yep. So, um, Mivon have a right of passage style agreement with you. They have trade deal and free passage. Co- correct. Um, the trade deal will be altered, and you've also got trade deals with bits of Bravoy uh, yeah. that will be altered by that. Um, the, um, the right and passions agreement, however, they are more than happy to just kind of keep up. Yeah. They actually no longer benefit from it as much because they were getting the opportunity to move sort of their armies through your territory without yeah. um, provoking you. Yeah. Um, which they no longer need to do because they can go through their own strip on the big, on the west of Van, east of Varnhold. Yeah. Um, however, it's um, they're already um, somewhat shining you on here anyway. So. Yeah. They're, they're endeavouring to do so to the minimum degree possible. Yeah, and the thing is, you know, it's potentially beneficial for both of us. It's 
no longer as beneficial. Yeah. But. Uh, and you will receive a string of very politely worded letters that say, unfortunately, owing to new obligations, blah, 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 these factions of Bravoy will no longer be paying you tribute. Yep. So, um, I lose that, um, that tribute. Yep. Um, can you tell me how much it was so I can take it off my bill points per turn? Uh, I believe it was six because it was two for each faction. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, so, Mavoy is not uh, necessarily a bigger kingdom than yours, but it's certainly enough to stand toe-to-toe with you. Yeah. So they no longer need to pay you tribute because they can now form enough armies to, if not beat you, make it really expensive for you to win. Yeah. Which, given the original tribute, was very much, you know, look, here's some money, there's no need to invade before. Yeah, yeah. You are notified of this, you are not invited to any form of weddings or anything. Um, not to snub you, but because apparently Rasseline has fallen so madly in love with Christophe Markava that um, yeah. they needed to be wed immediately. Yeah. And that wraps that one up in the short term, at least. Yep. So, if there are any further questions or any further help <coughs> you wish to make of that, you're welcome to um, speak your piece. No, I am. But I figure that. I don't see a need to make that a lengthy, elaborate no. scene. So. No, I had, and I mean, I talked to Rasseline only um, last um, last month, and basically recommended she do this, and she told me she was already planning to. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, for, I am, however, impressed at how quickly she managed to bring this civil war. All she apparently needed was a um, connecting trade work, and she just ended this civil war. Yeah, it's it's very much not that she has brought them to heal with her amazing powers of either warfare or diplomacy so much as the three factions are stuck because none of them can agree on a leader that doesn't empower one of them above the other two above the other two but Rasseline prevents that presents them with a credible useful leader who can fill that role and is a neutral enough third party that, that everyone can agree on it yeah Particularly with the advantage of, you know, who knows what that troublesome half-orc down south might do now he's gotten so large and um, weighty. Well, you can't trust those damned half-orcs. If you tell me what you're looking for, I might be able to help you find it. Uh, Overall's thought. Cool. I will dig it out of one of these two, um... Yep, here he is. Okay, and that is event number two for the turn. Cool. Do you want event number three? Yep, give me a hit me with event number three. Okay, so Kaylin's sitting there pushing minis around the tactics table. Yeah, I think um, you know, uh, talking to Van about how the battle went down and what we could have done differently and how annoying wyverns are and you know what we'll do if they evade from the south and do this style of thing. When you will hear muffled <coughs> shouting and kerfuffle from outside, and one of your guards comes bursting in through the door, moves over towards the window, you know, pushes you out of the way, moves over towards the window, slams the shutters, you know, looks looks around, takes a defensive position, looks at the doors and windows. 
Kaelin has his great sword out by this point. And then, huh, Your Majesty, there's a, a a man just appeared in the courtyard of the castle. Ah, right. What does he have to say for himself? Uh, well, so and he will tell you that um, the guard have become slightly alarmed by the fact that somebody has just apparently gone. <laughs> And appeared in the middle of their fortified castle, yeah. bypassing all your assorted walls, defences, and everything else under yeah. the sun. Um, he is merely—he is merely sitting there, sort of surveying people scurrying around like ants in response to this. Um, but the reason he pauses is because when he says a man, he says it, it's a man of some kind. He's eight, nine feet tall and bright red with bright red skin. Ah. Nothing human. That does sound all right. That sounds like something I should go take. Kalen uh, will really cheat as grateful. That sounds like something I should go take a look at. Um, Van will um, pick this up another time. But you're welcome to come down yeah, and see what's yeah. what. Yeah, Van. Van quite well knows of this. And when you head down, there is basically a ring of guards with sort of weapons out, keeping a good distance, just keeping an eye on this guy. They are not per se threatening him precisely, but nor are they letting him do as he pleases. Uh, for his part, this this thing seems completely untroubled by this. Indeed, he is looking around almost contemptuously at them. What you've got is about a nine-foot-tall human-looking man, has a big-ass felsian strapped over his back. He has on very sort of catapeshi-style pants, and is completely naked from the top up, showing off ridiculously ripped abs. And he is just sort of looking round, vaguely amused, vaguely contemptuous at all these little people. And he's definitely no no form of human being. Yeah. Kaelin will um, stride up past the guards, but not super close, yeah. within talking range. Yeah, the ring, sort of, ring of guards sort of parts um, slightly to let you in. Kaelin is, is, of course, clanking with... Um, uh, armor and multiple weapons, but he has not very pointedly not drawn any of them. Yeah. Afternoon. Straight, hit straight up. Do you speak for these? Do you speak for these whimpering masses? Mm-hmm. Well, that's not how I'd describe him. But I, I'm, I'm Kaelin. I'm king in these parts. What's your name, sir? He sort of looks around at the at the castle, and you've seen this look. Somewhere before, a long time ago, in a very different scenario, it was when Hannes Dreyliv sent his ambassador to your village fair. Ah, yes. Um, the, the guy just sort of looks around like he's standing in a pile of pig shit or some yeah. such thing. His nose wrinkled slightly at how uh, quaint and rustic your castle is. Yeah. Um. On the other hand... Um... And his Dreyliv's boy didn't have a lot to be proud of, whereas this guy is unarguably nine feet tall. So maybe he really does come from someplace where this isn't very impressive. I am Javun, an ifrit of the Plain of Fire, the City of Brass, a place of majesty and wonders well beyond your little kingdom, really. I have heard it's a, uh, I've heard it's a grand place. What can I do for you? And he at this actively changes size and comes down to your level and becomes a reasonably normal six foot guy. 
and would look human, but for the fact that he's, his beard seems as much smoke as actual hair, and that he's bright red. Yeah. Um, he comes down to you, and he says, I am looking for someone. Some, some, excuse me, I'm looking for something. Someone that is mine. I. If your if this is all your kingdom has to offer, then you would have certain you would certainly know them. Uh, they would be a woman, powerful, strong, fierce, with children. I can feel the blood. I can feel her and her offspring are somewhere here in this kingdom. You must have heroes, champions, people of power here. Aye, we have several such. Um, a number of, um, we have a number of strong, powerful uh, women. I have come then to claim what is mine. Hmm. Uh, give me a moment, and um, we'll go over and talk to a page. Uh, do you fetch broom to me? Let's test. Let's see if I'm right about dig, this. Dig, dig, dig. Runs off, and after a few moments, broom comes in, looks up at this guy, look, looks at this guy, double takes very slightly, and then just sort of glares at him. Less that she recognises him and more this is just her general default setting. Yeah. And Javon just kind of completely, by and large, ignores her in the same fashion he's ignoring everyone else. He, yeah. He's very much talking down his nose to you. Yeah. Um, and he says, is this her? Uh, this is my wife, Bryn. Uh... She's um, who I thought of when you gave your description, so I thought we'd best sort that out. She's also the only one of the women I can think of who's um, uh, got kids. Oh no, that's not true. All right, well, let's um, let's straighten this out. Love you. Would you stay with me? I think we could. I could use the backup. Mm, I think so too. Um, all right. Now find me the lady Svetlana. <laughs> You have more than one of them in this dirt ball. Oh, we have a number of people we consider impressive, but I understand that the city of Brass is uh, a place of great power. Your eyes would bleed to look upon it, little king. Well, then I'm probably just as well off as I am, thanking you all the same. And Svetlana will appear... Um, um, she and she too gives him a similar sort of look to Bruno. Okay, bright red guy. Yeah, what the fuck is going on here? Um, I don't think either of them have the slightest collective knowledge of the planes. It's yeah. not. You don't have to be a super scholar to know that yeah. a freaky a fire genies. Um, and Kevin, yeah. how can I assist you with your? Guest, uh, and does Javun react to her? In is way? she the one? I don't know. You mentioned that you could tell. Huh? 
I would have thought in a primitive backwards dirt ball like this, it would be very easy to see those who are marked by power, marked for greatness. But it was years ago that I started my little project, left my seed with your woman across the world. Now it is time to collect. If they are both strong, then I will take them both, and their offspring. And I know, for I feel it echo through the line, that they are strong enough. My daughter and her offspring have proven strong enough to survive the efforts to kill them. Attempts have been made on your lives, yes? He looks at the two of them, and both of them sort of look at each other, and then nod slightly, because both of them have it, at this point faced innumerous efforts to kill them in yes. one fashion or another. Yes, both Lana and Brun have explicitly faced assassination attempts, which isn't, and they both have children. Then I have come, then I have come to bargain for them and their offspring. I, well, the thing is, for a start, I'm not certain that you actually know which ones it is that you're looking for. And, um, for another, um, Alas, uh, I figured we might as well find out what it was that you were asking before we got to the negotiation part. Uh, but no, no, no one in this kingdom is for sale. I'm already at, in one war. Or, or, or over it. I think you misunderstand my intention. I am looking for in your human terms, my daughter. I have sired power across your mortal plane of Galarian, and have begun to collect it when it becomes strong enough, mature enough, worthy of joining Javun and, and the many Ifrit and Jinn who serve under me. I am um, glance over at Svetlana and Bryn. Either of you want to take him up on it? <clears throat> You don't know what don't know what you are, don't know who you are. None of us are going with you. I quite agree. There is something I do not like about your manner. And she will lean in quietly to you. And she says I hear voices whispering quietly around him. Shadows speaking to him. Because we had this established a good long while ago. Now that's her detect evil. Yeah, because it's the it's the Niska style. Yeah, yeah, she hears whispers and voices and sort of hushed gossip around them. Yeah, secrets being uttered. Yeah. So he's evil. Yeah, sort of figured. Shocking. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, basically, he will explain this in terms that make sense to Kaylin when he says he is looking for a person of sufficient power. Um, what he's telling you is he personally has been all around Galerian and sired a bunch of children on woman. He seems incredibly contemptuous of this fact, you know. Shiny baubles and some power. Yeah. Um, and then will openly change shape four or five times in front of you to a variety of completely different handsome men from multiple different cultures. Um, that he has then been basically waiting for them to either die, you know, if they are unworthy and fail in the attempts to survive the efforts to kill them, um, 
or become strong enough and basically, i.e., reach 10th level or higher. That yeah. point where um, legend lore goes off, where they start to become legendary characters. Yeah. Worthy of song and praise and have tales about them and that sort of thing. And now he's showing up to collect and seems vaguely enough inclined. He said, he's actively said he will buy in rather than take. Yeah. But he's, he definitely thinks you're this big. Yeah, which, you know. He's got a better right to think so than the others. Yeah. I'm accustomed of that attitude. You are welcome to give me a sense motive check here. Yep. Yeah. Uh, 22. Okay. So, his... Javon's head is enormous. Um, he has a ridiculously inflated ego or an opinion of himself that may not necessarily correlate to his actual real-world capacities. He certainly appears to be flesh and blood. You've killed a variety of strong and fearsome creatures before. Um, In his head, he is completely and utterly unthreatened by you. Your kingdom is a backwards dirt ball. Your armies are grossly inferior to his. He could personally wallop you up one side and down the other in combat. Um... But his opinion of himself is so inflated that may not necessarily bear all that much correlation to the truth. He can clearly do things like presumably plane shift, which is how he got here. Yeah. So he probably poses a reasonably active threat to you. Yeah. He thinks he can just sort of splat you off the board in one hit, which yeah. is obviously not true. It's um, Drelev style. Yeah. We're all acting together yeah, to get within sword range and the problem solved. And, and he seems very much of the opinion that um, because of how craptastic your kingdom is, you know, he will buy you off with, to him, the equivalent of some blankets and shiny beads. Yeah, and yeah. And call it a day. Yeah. Yeah, it makes, given his um, relative ego level, it makes a lot of sense because Uruviki um, may have had the same you know, this deal has to be made, I must make it style thing. But Uravetti had a relatively realistic assessment of my capabilities. He didn't show up on the basis... He waited until... When he said, now you're going to have to make the deal, he said it with um, he yep. said it with a re- reasonably large army. He says, so then, you are the king of these lands, you own these. I will bargain for them and their offspring. Well... I don't own them. Like I said, we've no slaves here. They don't want to go with you, so they don't have to go with you. And those are my children that you're talking about. And their offspring, those are my children that you're talking about. So I've been down this road a few times before. There's no sense wasting your time negotiating when there's no price as you have on you that I'll pay. The answer's no. You can hear it from them or me. Hmm? I think you do not understand, little Blaking. Look here. And opens a hand and starts actively casting something and conjures what's basically a diamond the size of a football. Um, and then sort of holds it out to you, letting you see how shiny <laughs> and beautiful it is. And he says, this is doubtlessly worth more than your entire kingdom. I will give it to you. For the pair of them and their spawn. <laughs> Mate, spawn. You, uh, don't disembowel them unless he attacks us, love. We're um, 
let's keep talking as long as talking's still doing us some good. Uh, and uh, it made um, so it could be a diamond the size of this place, and um, Caelan will gesture pointedly at the castle, and it still wouldn't be enough to buy her alone. It will not 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 to Britain, much less much less all five of them. Do you even know that they are the ones that you're looking for? Are there others in your kingdom that are suitable? Oh, I do not keep I do not keep enough track of which is mine. <laughs> I'm not going to follow them for thir- 20, 30, 40, 50 of your mortal years. I suppose from your way of thinking, if they're strong enough to... Um Survive, then there uh, might as well be yours. Strength will be found where strength is found. The spawn is weak because their mother is weak. And so be it. Because I'm curious if they are actually his children, because um, Bryn is... Um, Bryn, is, Bryn and yeah. Svetlana both have un, unknown parentage, yeah. and um, at least in Svetlana's case, it would certainly account for the weird sorceress powers. The the only thing that he knows is that his, the, the offspring he is looking for in this sort of area, and by that he's probably stretching it to, you know, the river kingdoms, yeah. um, is female. Yeah. Um, has had, he's, he's got some sort of he knows Magical connection there, or divinations, or something like that. He knows, he knows that he's looking for a woman who has children and who has survived the attempts to kill her and <coughs> become tenth level or higher and become suitably legendary in her own right. So there's not to earn the fabulous prize of working for him. Yeah, because in 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 the case of um, in the case of this kingdom, it's only really the two of them that qualify. Yeah. Because um, the other tenth level, you know, like Michaela yeah, has. You have a couple heads. more, a couple more suitable women, but none that have children. Of course, it's entirely possible that um, if he's looking in the geographical area of the River Kingdoms, yeah, he may well be looking for someone who isn't even in this kingdom. Yeah, yeah. But because there's certainly possibly tenth level women in other kingdoms. But the the attitude you're getting off him is very much this is kind of a Saturday errand for him that yeah. he's doing. You know, he's, he hasn't been waiting 20 years to hunt down his dearest and only beloved daughter. Yeah. It's kind of like, I'll just cruise by and get get it while I'm going through. Yeah, I'm hiking through anyway. I might as well pick up the latest crop style of thing. Very much so. It's like, you know, while I'm at the farmer's market, I'll get some tomatoes. Very much so. Give them to me. All right, give them to me. And any others that may be mine... Or I will bring such a great army as to crush your kingdom and everything in it to pieces. Caelan will at this point draw the sword. Yeah. You're big. You're big when you want to be. I took down Vordekai. Don't know if you've heard of him. It might not be the sort of thing they carry on the city of Brass, but he was the he'd been he was a legend a thousand years in the making. Sh- Come and have a go if you think you're hard enough. He shrugs slightly. Your puling little victories mean nothing to me, Play King. Fine, I will take them. Reaches back, pulls out his falchion, and the group around you that is mostly guards and a handful of onlookers, civilians, and pages sort of starts reacting. 
Um, and Svetlana says, we have to get these people out of here. And you get the little character select screen. Yeah. Uh, you can have either Brun or Svetlana as the people who are on the ground here. Whichever one you don't pick is going to be ushering civilians out, clearing space, doing things in the background, etc., etc., uh, because this is your kingdom and you have a big pile of guards around, you're going to get other benefits anyway. I'm abstracting them into the background of the fight. Cool, awesome. This sounds like a fun combat. Because your your guards are very much bright enough to know that Kaelin is a substantively hardier fighter than they are. You know, if you can't take this guy, they can't. But nor are they just going to stand back and watch the king get murdered in front of them. Yeah, They'll yeah. basically haul off in the back and fire a bunch of arrows in the melee kind of thing. Yeah. All right. Hmm. Bruno Svetlana. 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 This seems like a good fight for a sorceress. On the other hand, um, she's prob- she pres- tends to have a lot of fire spells, which are probably not going to be very much use against a um, guy from um, the City of Brass. Yeah, I mean, he is not... He is not quite literally on fire, but his beard is smoking, yeah. and his skin is bright burnt red. You know, you don't know whether he would be immune to fire, resistant to it, but certainly some one of those sort of things seems reasonably likely. Yeah. Alright. Um, and um, I think this this seems like a Bryn sort of fight, and Svetlana's... Um, seems like the one to task with, res- with rescuing the civilians. Yeah. So, yeah. Alright, okay, love, now we can disembowel them. Yeah, Nobody like, calls my pump spawn. <laughs> and, um, nods to Switlana. Let's get, every- get everybody out of here. This is gonna be large. I understand. Brinthorn appears. Alright, and roll for initiative. Yep. Nobody is particularly surprised by this. Yes, so Callum, before coming down here, took the time to change into plate on the general... Because he normally wanders around and lives on the castle on the general basis that, you know, it seemed prudent. Yeah. Alright, rolling for initiative. Brin's on 17. As is Kaelin, but I imagine she, her dex is substantively yes. higher. It's 19, so mm-hmm. probably. Uh, it's it's not so much that he's slow as just contemptuous. Yeah, you know, he not- sort of draws his falcian quite casually. Like, hey, okay, this is... Like, this is two rounds work, tops yep. kind of thing. And doesn't seem to take this all that seriously. Yeah. So. If I can't convince him to rue that attitude, we're in real trouble. <laughs> I'm certainly hoping I can. Yeah. Bryn will sort of look at. Bryn sort of looks across at him and. <clears throat> Don't know where you are. Don't know what you are or where you come from. But everyone that comes to our kingdom with a big head gets it punched in. <laughs> and just sort of elopes across the ground, sprinting up to him with his 70 foot of movement, and leaps up. And he is just sort of starting to change again and become bigger. 
when she leaps upon his his leg that is becoming his his torso that is becoming his leg now, and just kind of claws and rips and bites away at it a couple of times. She may make her myriad of attacks. Miss, hit, and miss. So she leaps upon him and claws and bites at him and he bleeds. So it is just very much a scratch on his leg and he bleeds a sort of odd, far more red than you would expect blood, but he is definitely... He is is clearly a mortal creature. He is not a ghost or something in that neighbourhood. And then she... Tastes like burning. And then it is you. Cool. Alright. And, um, Kaelin will look at where Bryn is, and he wants to move round to be flanking. Sure. Uh, in fact, given that she has ridiculous movement and tumble, she will just go straight through him. So the other side, so Kaelin gets the easy flank. Cool. So, at which point, um, Kaelin will walk up. How far am I... How far... Because I st- said I was starting moderately back from him. Yeah, it's like 20 foot back. So wait, so... Because he's not reach... Or, he doesn't have reach at present because he isn't large enough, but he had when you started. Yeah. So I will... Um, I'll take advantage of him not having reach again yet and move in and take a single swipe at him with Gatekeeper. Sure. Alright, so that's a 30 to hit. Uh, yes. He his his defenses largely appear to be being reasonably quick, and his skin being a little harder than normal. He's obviously not wearing armor. Break that. Eight. All right. Um. Okay. So that's uh. Um. 19 points of damage. Do you want the acid separate or with No, it? no, the acid will um, n- neither harm him nor, um, neither harm him particularly nor no. is he vulnerable to it. So. Sweet. Uh, so 19, you think? Yep. And he sort of steps back from this blow, looking kind of surprised as you have actually cleaved into him. He winces like You dare. You do not know what you challenge. I am Javon, brother of Javol. We are great nobles of the city of Brass. Your mortal plane is nothing to me. You are nothing to me, Play King, and begins to expand, seemingly without doing anything. He just goes, grows in size, and brings his fucking great Falcian down, swinging at you several times. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes, because unfortunately with me getting to act first, he gets the full attack. Okay, so crit threat. Uh, 23 is a hit or a miss? Miss. Okay. Miss and hit. And he will... Uh, what's your AC? 30. Right. He will fail to confirm the crit. Cool. So he swings this Felsian down. As he does, it catches fire. Mm-hmm. And 
swings it rapidly and with reasonably large amounts of skill it cuts into you as a big deep blade does so that's 16 from, there's no point dividing these up as the no. DR, so 16 from one hit 27 points of damage cool And he, with with some expertise and a lot of just brutal strength, swings the falcon quickly a couple of times, glances off your armor, slashes in, slashes in hard a couple of times, and then sort of smirks, you know, puts the falcon back into a more guarded defense position, watches you for a minute, and then looks very quizzical when Kaelin presumably doesn't fall down and begin bleeding to death. No, Kaelin, um... Kalen looks like he's taken a nasty blow, and like if he took five more like that, he'd be in some real trouble. But by and large, you're fine. Yeah. Yeah. And then we come back round to Bryn again. Yep. Uh, I think uh, Kalen at this point will say, "Well, that wasn't bad, but you'll have to do better." My husband doesn't pretend to be king. He's far more of a king than the likes of you will ever be. <laughs> so tempted to sweep the leg, but no, given he's gigantic. Yeah. Um, she will merely hove into him again, making her now five attacks. No, sorry, four attacks. Uh, hit, miss, miss, miss. And deals him another nine points of damage. And then back to you. Yep, so I'm going to take advantage of this fine flag and put two points of power attack on all three hits. Sure. So, which will, of course, add an additional plus four to my damage. Okay, um, and that is a crit threat. Yep, he looks like he has flesh and blood, which is quite credible. Cool, so that's a 35 to confirm. Which, which will definitely pass as AC. Cool, so it's a times 2 crit. Yep. So I'll add up the damage and then the, add the acid on top. Correct. because um, The acid doesn't double. Alright, so that's... Um, 44 points of um, crit. Ouch, yep. And then my second attack kicks in. Yep. Uh, which is a 27 to hit. Yep. Uh, that one will miss him. Okay, cool. He leaps back out of the way quicker now. Good to know. Ah, yes, because he's... Alright, so that's... No longer flat-footed. Alright, so I may um, have been overzealous with that power attack. That's alright. And, yeah, the third one will flat-miss then. So I just get the one giant crit. So definitely going to... If he's that hard to hit, I'm definitely going to not power attack next turn. So something happens... um, Well, two things happen between the first and second lot of blows... Um, the first one of which is the first time you go to hit him, he's just sort of contemptuously just still vaguely moving into the fight, flat-footed. Mm-hmm. The second time he is both quick and dodging away, and there's something that wasn't there before in the ilk of a magical force field type thing. Right, When yeah. you hit him, the blow gets glanced off by something that wasn't there yeah. last round. Cool. So his AC has gone up yeah. fairly dramatically between rounds. Yep, yeah, that's fine. Uh, and then we come... And he sort of staggers, looks at this, and now has, you know, a really quite deep <laughs> gash along his side. The gatekeeper's sliced hard into him. 
world has come far in swordplay. But Arafrit has more than one trick. And he brings his hand up, and little bursts of light begin to come out from each finger. And you have probably seen this spell before, or can at least identify it really rapidly. He flicks his fingers out towards you and Bryn rapidly, and a bunch of thin rays of burning, searing fire leap out towards the two of you as he casts a bunch of quickened scorching rays. Yep. Without taking any actions. Uh, so you're touch, AC. Yeah, yeah. About that. Uh, is it, in fact, just complete and absolute tosh? It's, you know, it's an 11. Yeah, okay, so he hits you. Uh, and hits you. My flat footed AC is really good. And then on her. Uh, he will miss her touch AC of 25. Yeah, I, th- I thought he was going to have more trouble hitting them at Bryn. Although I was kind of hoping it was a fireball or something because um, the um, she would just flip through that entirely. Uh, he will roll a 20 and crit threat her with the other one. Ouch. Uh, which he will absolutely fail to confirm. Sweet. And... And again, there's no, you've got no fire resistance or anything, do you? There's no point in giving you... Tragic, tragically not. Uh, you take 25 points of fire damage from both shots together. Yep. Um, and he flicks one hand out towards you, sort of pivots slightly, flicks the other hand out towards Bryn very quickly. Two rays go into you, two rays go into her... And as she sort of rolls aside, she almost seems to catch them and bend them aside from her uh, as they hit her spell resistance from Diamond Body. Sweet. And both fizzle out without harming her. Sweet. One misses flat out anyway. Yeah. But the other one, the crypt, does not pass her spell resistance. Sweet. So she grunts, strengthens herself, ducks the ground, and the spell seems to burn out without even touching her. And Javun looks at this. His eyes go wide at this point. Impossible. Impossible. And then he raises a hand, snaps his fingers, and vanishes. Okay. Taking all his quickened actions, he spends a standard action doing something else and disappears. Okay. And then we are back to Bryn, who... Looks around at what her sort of capacities are. It's been a while since I've run my 14th, 13th level month here. <laughs> yes, she does have scent. So she. <sighs> Just old smoke. He's gone. He is not invisible. She has scent. She can smell him. Okay. She doesn't necessarily know where... She doesn't can't necessarily track him to a square with scent, but there is not an invisible person that is still here. He's gone. He has teleported off or plane shifted off or some such thing. All right. Well, that seems a little too easy. One assumes he'll try, try again. <laughs> 
wasn't expecting a fight, I think. Yeah, but, uh, aye, but, um, he is presumably not going to give up that easily. He'll, um, have another try now uh, with a bit more, um, with a bit more brain behind it. Hmm. So, based on how he looked there, you, you were reasonably successfully lumping on him, like yeah. another couple of rounds of that, and he'd he have fallen down. Yeah. Kaelin's just a little concerned, because another couple of rounds of that, he'd have fallen down. Yes, yes, but, you know, he's a he's a dangerous foe, but by no stretch of the imagination, one completely beyond your ability to take. Yeah. He thinks he's the equivalent of a CR-25 creature, yeah. where in fact he's, you know, a CR-15 style creature. Well, uh, let's uh, put the castle on high alert and um, go see Tristram and see what he can tell us about it free day now that we've got a minute. Yep. And Spitline will sort of stop ushering the people out. And she will sort of look around carefully looking everywhere and then nods as well. I agree with Bryn. I cannot hear his whispers anymore. He's gone. Alright, well, I'll warn people to watch out for a um, fellow the size of a building, but uh, given you can look like other people, um, if he wants to. Given he can teleport and look like other people, if he wants to surprise us, I'm supposing he can. In the. um, In the castle library, Tristan is there and hasn't really even bestirred himself at this. I mean, in all fairness, the entire scene has been going on for the grand length of about 10 minutes. Yeah. and he is sitting in there reading a book and he sort of vaguely looks up at you and he says is everything alright? I heard shouting did Contessa come back? no I'm afraid not um, Kaelin is at this point um, having um, only loosely cleaned himself up moderately obviously all over blood having just come from a fight are you alright? you've been hurt, cut, burned uh, I um yeah I can um go get some you oh thank you I can cast bard spells that have cures in them sweet um we um had a little encounter in the courtyard with a fellow by the name of Javun uh brother to Javul citizen of the city of Brass a citizen of the, a, a, a jinn or an afriti or a nerd perhaps uh, what do he look like red fellow. Well, that's definitely an Afriti. Yes, that's what he said. Oh, fascinating. He's still here? I'd love to speak to him. An, an extraplanar traveller. Oh, he was. You, you got into a fight with him, didn't you? In all fairness, I talked, to him, I talked to him politely right up until he offered me a diamond this big in exchange for Bryn and Switlana and Tobias and Brandon and Micah. And then I said he couldn't have them and... Then he said, "Fine, he'd take them and drew his big um, and uh, drew his big falcion, and we commenced to, you know, disagreeing with him." And where is he now? He um, teleported out as far as um, Bryn can smell and Svetlana can sense. Um, very likely, he returned to his own plane of existence. Uh, creatures of that nature can plane shift very much at will. Aye, that's my concern. I mean, he. Um, didn't think we, he was expecting me to um, go down with one blow, so he didn't think we could hold up much of a fight to him. But it um, seems very weak of him to just give up after one round. I did assume he'll be back. Mm. And Freet uh, sort of flicks his fingers and goes over and bows them. Now, 
Where was the piece by uh, Sierra? Ah, here we are. Oh, yes. Oh, I do know quite a bit about them with my uh, natural 20 and 33 on Knowledge of the Flames. Ah, uh, sure, sure. I would say you're quite certainly dealing with a noble Ifriti there. Uh, they're djinn. Uh, genies, you've heard the old childhood stories, wish granters, that sort of thing. Um, they come in a variety of elemental types. The, the Ifriti are genies of fire. They can, uh, they're completely and utterly immune to it. There'd be no point in even attempting to engage him. Nothing you could bring in that regard would be hot enough or deadly enough. They're still mortal. They can be cut. Well, ageless, but still mortal. They can be cut, killed, stabbed, wounded, that sort of thing. Uh, brother to Javul, you say. Uh, Javul was a... Uh, uh, well, he's quite certainly dead now. Um, a genie who had designs on... A free designs on Katapesh. Uh, he was foiled by a group of... What's this, ten years or so ago now? Uh, had plans to merge himself with one of Rovergug's spawn. Um, that doesn't sound like a very good idea. No. Looks like he bit off a lot more than he could chew. Mm. <laughs> Sounds like his brother is... Uh, uh, slightly more... Um, Slightly less grand in his designs, looking for something looking for something considerably simpler. Uh, he um, claims to have fathered someone in this kingdom who's a very powerful woman with children of her own. Quite possible. Like <coughs> like dragons, if he can, t- it, noble if he in any event can take other shapes that be quite capable of being interfertile with any number of species. Uh, you'd see a child of theirs would. Um, be stronger, faster, have unusual powers, um, strange things that manifest. Well, look who you're talking to. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's not so much that any child would necessarily manifest a specific set of abilities as just be someone of great destiny, i.e. better stats and PC class levels type thing. Yeah. What about grandchildren going down a generation? With the power, with the same power passed to them, do you mean? Yeah, I. I would certainly think so. Uh, not as obviously manif- not not as obviously manifested, depending on how old the children in question are. But much like being a strong warrior, part of the strength is part part of your muscles are what your body is born to. And part. Voice of the editor here. A small recorder glitch as we lose three, four minutes worth of episode here. Uh, we discussed some different spells and some options about how to prevent Javul just teleporting into Castle Stagthorn and doing as he pleased, and the end result was that they have dimensionally locked Castle Stagthorn so that it is resistant to teleportation and astral travel and a bunch of other things. I'm less concerned if he brings an army, we can fight that with our army. Very much so. And um, if he if he endeavours to attack me, Bryn or Svetlana, those are all people who can take care of themselves. Very much so. However, the kids have guards, but they're not guards that are meant to stop. And yeah. um, they're not guards that are meant to stop in a free day, and we're not always around the kids. Yeah. Which <coughs> well, it doesn't stop him trying to abduct them, but it stops him just 
Because he could conceivably just teleport in, take one of the kids, teleport out, and there's nothing we could do to prevent that attack. Yeah, except that um, the one he wants is the powerful woman. Yeah. The kids are useful as a side effect, yeah. as opposed to the primary girl. Yeah, but if he or anyone else occurs to us that taking our children... If it occurs to anyone yep. with teleport that taking our children hostage would be effective leverage, I want it to be more difficult. Yep, I don't argue with that at all. You are getting into sort of levels where that is a very real threat. We already have, like, anti-changeling protections, but this should also make it more difficult for the clerics of Gyrona, who, um... The the Fey of the Fey Gyron and Changeling and Harvesters who I explicitly want to oppose. Yep. Yep. Quite doable. Yep. So yes, I I put the money in on that. Yep. And Michaela I think needs to Owl's wisdom herself to be able to cast that, but can yep. do so relatively trivially. And yes, if you uh, so choose, Chris, Tristan can cast Legend Law on um whatever you want to target him on, frankly. Um, it's it's the one where it's like 30 minutes if the thing he's doing it on is at hand. It's 10, da- it's 10 days if it's a thing that isn't on hand. Oh, cool. So I don't think he's ever cast a legend lore on Svetlana. So no, he's, he's cast <coughs> ones about Quintessa and a handful of other people. Yeah. So, um, because I've mostly done the 10-day ones to get information on people who weren't in the kingdom. Which is what you'd be doing if you're casting it on Javon. You know who he is, you know what he's about, but he is not here. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I would like to... I I will actually talk to Switlander about if this is something she would like to know. Yeah. Um, but if so, then I would ask Tristram to cast the legend lore on her. If... Uh, if this creature represents a threat to to our kingdom, to my children, then anything we anything I can do to know what it is, how to stop it, by all means. Then yes, we will ask Tristram to cast Legend of Lore on Svetlana. It's not so much that she's super interested necessarily in the question of her own parentage, but do you want to know more about the Afridi that might abduct you and your children? Yes. Yes, I do. Yep. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, so Tristan will begin casting that, throwing his mind out to the first world, hearing what fragments of song will come, and I will need to make up a divination for that, so I figure at that point we might as well call it for the evening. Yeah, sounds good.